Yes. Oh, it is. Another Thursday, five rounds here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. We have a pay-per-view that isn't a pay-per-view to talk about this coming weekend in the UFC. Although I, I really wanted to devote 90 minutes to talking about Fedor getting the time machine and taking <laughs> year 2005 with those lightning fast hands back home in Mother Russia. He knocked out Timothy Johnson. No problem, my friend. I knock him out. It's no big deal for Fedor. So we Alex, Alex, there hasn't been a worse matchup for Fedor since he fought the guy who changed tires at a Walmart service center. And he almost and lost that fight. Story. Yes, yes. He has Brett Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> he came close to losing that fight. Oh, my God. We, we have plenty to get to. UFC 267, I think it's going to be really good, and it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend, and we don't actually have to pay for it, which is kind of cool. Uh, we're going to have a new edition of the Toss-Up. In addition to previewing UFC 267, James Walker and I were at the PFL Championships last night. That was a really good time. A really late night. Uh, yeah. So dur during my 55 minute or so drive home, I was like prying my eyelids open, man. Like the, <laughs> the eyelids were getting very, very heavy. But it, there, there were some really, really good fights on that card. And PFL does an excellent job. Before we dive headfirst into all of that here on this episode, I want to remind you that we are served by the Quarterdeck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill. Ah, oh, you see it right there. The Quarterdeck is the spot to watch every UFC pay-per-view fight, whether they cost money or not, right? This one is not really a pay-per-view. You can still watch it for no cover charge at the quarter deck, and the ones that do cost $70, definitely take advantage and watch those at the quarter deck. But even the ones that don't, I always enjoy the community. Like, I've had such good memories over the years of watching UFC pay-per-views at the quarter deck seafood bar and neighborhood grill, getting into it, getting into shouting matches, because I've been there for almost every Nick Diaz fight, and whenever people root against him, I lose my mind. I almost get into bar fights, almost. Uh, we <laughs> talked about bar fights last week. I've never gotten into one. Not that behavior like that is tolerated at the quarter deck anyway, but it's the best spot to watch every UFC fight. It is the best spot to watch every game, every sporting event. I mean, every sport in the world is happening right now. Like, everything is in season or postseason right now. It's fantastic. They've got these flat-screen, high-def TVs covering every single wall at the quarter deck. It is the best place to watch every game. If you go out there Saturdays and Sundays, be sure to take advantage when you're watching the football out there of the 5 for $15 ice-cold buckets of Heineken, Heineken Light, Amstel Light, High Noon Hard Seltzer, or mix and match those to your heart's content. And at the quarter deck, they have two-for-one happy hour all day, every day. That drink special never ends, man. I'm taking advantage of those two-for-one margaritas all day and night. I love the food. The seafood is so fresh at the quarter deck. I love the sushi. I love to build my own poke bowl. The baby back ribs are awesome. I haven't had those in a hot second. I need to go back uh, to get that back into my rotation. I love the sandwiches and burgers at the quarter deck. Oh, my God. And the key lime cheesecake. Woo! That is the perfect way to finish every meal. And a great opportunity to get out to the quarter deck will be Monday night, November 8th. So it's going to be here before you know it. We're going to have a Five Reason Sports watch party out at the quarter deck Sawgrass location. Join us at the location right by the FLA Live Arena where the Florida Panthers play Monday night, November 8th. We're going to be watching the Heat at Denver Nuggets out there, and we're going to be watching Monday Night Football out there. I'll be knocking down some beers and having a great time, so make sure you join us out there at the Quarter Deck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill. Visit them on the web at quarterdeckrestaurants.com. The Quarter Deck, come for the food, stay for the fun.
Oh man. So, you know, uh, and, and Frankie Z, I know you're a big bare knuckle fan. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure if I'm being sarcastic or not, but I, I enjoy I've been out to, a, I've been out to a couple of bare knuckle events and I really enjoy it. We are scheduled to be joined uh, at some point this hour. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be hopping in at 6.15 or 6.30. Local MMA legend. Like, if you're a South Florida MMA fan, chances are you've watched this guy fight before. You might have even trained with him if you've ever been out to MMA Masters. Luis Baboon Palomino is going to join us. He's made that transition from MMA. I watched him for years in Bellator and a lot of the local promoters. He's fought over in Japan before back in the day. He's made that transition to bare knuckle. He's going to be fighting for a belt at BKFC 22, bare knuckle fighting November 12th at the James L. Knight Center. And how I got connected with these guys was uh, I'm big into crypto. And that event is part of a Miami crypto expo that's coming in November. So, of course, of course, they tracked me down. Let me introduce my co-hosts, as always. First, the man, the myth, the legend. You see him down below, Frank Zaffrey. Frank, how you doing, sir? I'm great. Uh, you know, I hope we spend some time on it, but this free pay-per-view card, did they do it because nobody's going to want to watch it or did they do it to be, you know, nice to the fans? Which is it? <laughs> I think that really should be the lead topic of the show. See, I see what you're hinting at and we're going to get <laughs> in fact we we might we, we might dive in very early into the toss-up. Because that, that, that's part of the toss-up. Uh, I haven't today. looked at the toss-up questions. Well, My preparation get, is woeful. Get, 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 it, get it open because we might go to the toss-up first before Baboon Palomino comes on. Cause, I don't uh, cause... have an email from you. Oh, you don't? James, wow. did you get it? Yeah, I got it. Maybe we'll yep. have James read the toss-up question. Yeah, you know, right. That, it must have been the same email that had my invitation to the event that you guys. <laughs> so here's what we're gonna, we're going to mix it up today. We'll have James read the toss-ups. Yep. Then I'll go. Then Frank goes, and then James will wrap it up. But James, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Alex. And we had a good chance to talk last night. Spent about five hours together at the PFL uh, Championships. So uh, yeah, it was it was a long event, Frank. We'll we'll get into that, but mostly a good night. I, I just think overall. They know how to put on a show, but they need to work on their timing a little bit. The UFC yeah. has their timing down. Every single show, compact, you know, live, you know, TV, everything's on time. PFL needs to kind of work on that, but I, I think that'll come with time. Yeah, I don't know if they were just like maximizing their TV exposure or what, or if just because they had six five round fights on the card that they were just planning, like, hey, what if they probably knew it wasn't going to happen, but what if all six of these title fights go all five rounds? Like we're going to need to have this big block of TV time, but like uh, they actually, the first prelim started at four 30 in the afternoon. And then the main card didn't start till eight. And they had a five fight main card with a four hour block. I mean, you think about it, how long does it usually take to do a five fight UFC main card? Usually, Two and a half to three hours is like yep. what it takes to get through a five fight card. They had a five fight card and they spread it out. And like, I don't think the main event even started until like 1150, 1155, something like that. So they had it like spaced out for five fights to take four hours. It was very long, man. And I, I don't know whose decision that was. That may have not been PFL's decision. That might have been ESPN because the main card was on ESPN too. I don't know who makes that call, the TV people or the promoters, but oh my God, it was a, uh, I didn't drink enough coffees, James, to keep my, you know, and the, and the fights were good. I'm not criticizing the fights. It's just oh, no. being, yeah. being, uh, being a, a father of a young one, as you're a father of two young ones, it, it was a lot to keep my eyes open when I was driving home. 
Yeah, and I remember uh, Antonio Carlos Jr., who won one of the championships, former UFC guy. I think he won by first-round knockout uh, about three minutes into the fight. And it was scheduled for a five-round fight. Um, so as you mentioned, with that extended block of time with so many five-round fights scheduled, he won in the first round. And, uh, man, there must have been a 30, 40 minutes that went by until yeah. the next fight got started. And uh. every, everyone was just idle. I, I feel like it kind of took the energy out of the crowd, too, until the fighters, you know, other fighters got back in the cage. Um, so, yeah, I mean – that's tricky though. I, I don't know. I don't know how you improve it, but they they gotta they gotta figure something out there. But overall, it was a great night. We're all starting, you know, criticizing PFL. They actually put on a, a good show. The fighters showed up. Uh, there was six million dollars given away. It was it was a good night overall. Uh, just Alex and I are just talking about the logistics side of it because you know we just are. And Kayla Harrison well, is a beast. I mean, well, James, ahead, you know, you know, because you've been to UFC events. I know Alex has. I mean. You know, when they have, I mean, obviously the game is stretching or reducing filler relative to how long the fights last. I've thought, I think the UFC does a good job at their events for the people in attendance that they're involving you in filler on the big screen. So they're maintaining the energy, the noise, the music stays exceptionally loud. You have the sensation that something's about to happen, even if it takes 15 or 20 minutes for it to happen. Yeah, there's a, there's a strategy to it. And, you know, you got video packages, you got, you know, different things. Now, I did see a few a few video packages and things like that, but it just wasn't enough to, to kind of fill the immense amount of uh, idle time that they had uh, yesterday between fights. So I'm sure they didn't. Yeah. Ent- oh, go ahead, Frank. No, I was just going to say nothing could be worse than the late Howard Davis Jr.'s fill time and fight time promotions where he would give a 37 minute rambling speech about something. I don't know what it was, but uh, and they'd be like, let's get back to fighting. <laughs> yeah, and they would always do that. And I, I went to every single one of those events. And if ever the fights were a bunch of quick finishes, like they just wanted to fill the time. They're like, oh, you know, we they had the building until one in the morning, whatever it was. And it was like, OK, we, we need to now do 40 minutes of filler. It's like, no, man, just keep the fights going by the way hello to trevor gafty and this is always the best compliment you can get when you do a show on combat sports because i know not everybody is into it but people who aren't and love learning about it like trevor says love learning about the ufc from you guys i appreciate that uh let's get into james if you can give us the first one because uh at some point we might have to interrupt the toss-up when baboon palomino comes in because it's gonna be sometime between 6 15 and 6 30 i think he's stopping by but uh give us the first one first toss-up question for the day here we go. UFC 267 is free this weekend, as, as everyone knows now. If it wasn't free, would you pay $70 for this one? See, this is where Frank and I, I think, are going to differ based on his tone a couple minutes ago. I think this is a really good card. I, I really think it's a good card. It's actually a six-fight main card. I don't know if they would be doing that if it was an actual pay-per-view. It might only be five. But e- even though I'm not expecting either championship, uh, well, one of them's open, but I'm not expecting yeah. the championship to change hands in the first one. I'm not expecting Piotr Jan to lose, even though Corey, San- Corey Sanhagen is a tough SOB. But I... I'm excited for these top two fights. Um, I'm actually a Jan Blahovich fan. I know some people find him boring. I find him to actually be a really well-rounded fighter and fun to watch. And I think somebody's going to get knocked out in this fight, probably Glover Teixeira. And I appreciate Glover Teixeira's longevity, right? The fact that this guy has had so many different peaks and valleys throughout his career. I never would have thought at 41 years old he would have made another run for a UFC championship fight. So I like the main event. Guys, honestly, Corey Sanhagen, to me, is worth the price of admission. Like, this guy, if he can connect 
with a crazy kick or a crazy knee and hurt Jan. This fight's going to be a lot of fun. And Piotr Jan, uh, I think he's one of the best boxers in the UFC. Um, Islam Mahachev, my dude from Dagestan, he is miniature. Well, not miniature because they're about the same size, but he is Khabib Jr. I think he has that sort of career trajectory. He's fighting Dan Hooker, who's a tough guy from City Kickboxing in New Zealand. Uh, I think Mahachev's going to win somewhat easily, but that's going to be a fun fight. Uh, Volkov Tybura is a good fight. Dude, like seriously, Hamza Chemaev against Li Jingliang, I think is fantastic. So uh, Magomed Ankalaev also against Volkan Ozdemir. Like, I, I don't know. Like, Frank, I'd love to hear what your issue is because honestly, we've had over the past year pay-per-views, like actual money pay-per-views that are not as good as this card, which we don't have to pay for. I think I would pay for this one. Not just the fact that covering fights is part of my job. I think even if it wasn't, I would pay 70 bucks to watch this. What's your issue, Frank? Well, you're right. We've had worse cards that they charge money for, but that doesn't make this card worth money. It just means that they've made other really bad decisions. Uh, look, my principal problem is that Jan Blahovich has taken the mantle as the most uninteresting champion we've ever had in the UFC. At one time, it was Rafael Dos Anjos, but now it's Jan Blahovich. And that doesn't take anything away from his the quality of his fighting you know, pedigree, the fact that he is a dominant champion. He was done a tremendous disservice by John Jones because he didn't have to beat John Jones, right. which would have which would have elevated his stature. Instead, he's a guy that you really can't relate to. You certainly can't pronounce his name, and you don't care when he's fighting. And as a consequence, the fight is free. And then you've got Jan fighting a guy who's coming off a loss. What you just said about whether or not Sanhagen catch him with a knee is the same damn thing you said oh, about he, he said, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Real, and that didn't happen. No, so no, like, no, no. Pause for a second here. You say he's coming off a loss. You watched that fight. I watched that fight. I thought Sanhagen won that fight. I did if anything, too, but, guess, but, but guess what? There's an L in the column. And as far as the casual <laughs> fans concerned, they put a guy who just lost in a title fight. Nothing detracts from the casual fan appreciating a title fight more than saying our division apparently is so thin. I know it isn't, but I'm just saying with the casual right. fans, it's so thin that we just take a guy who just lost and we'll give him a title shot. It makes no sense. So it's just a crappy card. And the thing that really bugs me, the thing that gives me the most like pause and remorse is that, you know, at one time, anybody in the light heavyweight division fighting, that's like one of the top four or five events of the year. And now it's the free card. Oh, and by the way, at 2 p.m., on college football Saturday when we've got the Gators <laughs> and the Bulldogs and the Spartans and the Wolverines in the afternoon. I mean, what really? I mean, just skip it, man. Just put it on other cards. I don't understand what they're doing. I've got a great idea, guys. I get to see with the board meeting. Let's compete with one of the pinnacle weekends in college football, please, with the least interesting fighters we have. Can we do that? <laughs> let's pick the two champions for whom no one can pronounce their names, and let's use them to compete with college football. Man, I I, I was on the fence with this, and I, I'll, I'll I'll break the tie, but I actually side with Frank on this that I wouldn't spend seventy dollars. Wow. Now here's where I disagree with Frank. Um, it's a good card. It this is a good card, and this is kind of a this is kind of a character test for me as a fan. To where I I, I kind of learned something new about myself with this. Do I buy pay per views for the main event 
or do I buy pay-per-views for the overall card? And I overall really did, for me. I didn't really know which side I was on, but this this kind of teaches me that I'm more of a main event type of really? person. When Jan fought Israel Adesanya, I was buying the card no matter no matter who was who else was on the card. I was buying it for the main event. I didn't care about the, the co-main and the other, you know, the warm-up fights and stuff like that leading up to the co-main and the main event. This card is a very solid card in terms of you got the you got Jan, um, you got the uh, you got you got uh, uh, Peter Jan. Also, the Jans are, are throwing me off. Jan's um, everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And then you got Islam and you got Hamza Chemayev. Like it, from top to bottom, it's a pretty solid card. But there's not that really one fight mm-hmm. that really pops that says, "Hey, give me your seventy dollars." And so yeah. I, I've kind of learned that about myself. I'm more of a main event type person when I pay 70 bucks. So my answer is no. I'm with Frank. I wouldn't pay $70. But I do think it's a pretty solid card overall. And it's free. Um, it and, is at and, 2, 2 o'clock, though. And, James, I agree with you. It's a great card. I'm going to watch it. I, you know, I'm going to look in on it. I mean, yeah. like I, re, uh, like diehards, this is a great card. Yeah. But I'm talking about the casual fan. That's a good point, yeah. You know, you know, it's yeah. a fair point. Like, if if this what like um, I can look at it this way, I'm a freak, so I'm gonna look and say, hey, this is a really well rounded card. I'd pay seventy bucks for it. But if this were a pay per view, what do you predict the pay per view buy rate would be? How many pay per views do you think that they would sell? And I think it would probably be less than two hundred k for this one, right? I Which mean, is like, incredible because the one guy, um, Mahachev, the 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 Dagestani. I mean, he's going to be. He's a future he's champion. Gonna, he's a star. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he's going to be the yeah. next big star, like Khabib. So, like, you get in early on stuff like that, but the fans aren't ready for that. He hasn't had the fights that puts him in that position. Jan never will. If Adesanya's right. victory over Adesanya didn't do it, you know, that's never going to happen. Yeah, and that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And also so, something that we were talking about in our text thread, which Frank points out a lot, and he's a thousand percent right. It's amazing just how the UFC's light heavyweight division these days, it lacks so much excitement. I mean, guys, it was it was less than a decade ago, about a decade ago, when you had all these guys in their prime, right? I mean, all, all yeah. at the same time in their primes or just about to exit their primes. John Jones, Leoto Machida, Shogun Hua, Rampage Jackson, Rashad Evans. Rashad. Um, yeah, yep. so and, and all those guys were like, were in the UFC in their primes at the same time. You know, John Jones was kicking all their asses. It was incredible. And now, like, l- let me give you the uh, the top fifteen in the light heavyweight division right now. I could UFC. I couldn't read the list because half names I probably couldn't pronounce. Go ahead. They got some tough ones in there. Uh, Jan Blahovich is the champ. Glover Teixeira, who is fighting him for the title this weekend, he's considered number one in the rankings, number one oh contender. Oh Yuri God. Prohachka. Now, actually. I'm I'm gonna cape up for my guy Yuri Prohoshka. He may not be, and I have a tough time saying it. He may not be a household name right now. This guy, you guys can back me up on this. He is super fucking fun to watch. I mean, this guy—he is a violent, creative striker. He this is. is the type of guy you've got to hope. You've got to hope he becomes champion someday soon because yeah. he can actually inject some life back into that division. I agree, but it'll only be us three in this fan club right now. Go ahead. Yeah. Then you got Alexander Rockich, <laughs> Anthony Smith. Uh, uh, Anthony Smith is that high? Oh my God! Just high, stop reading. Four. I number mean, it's like, I let me keep he going. Has you, no knees. you might not have even heard of some of these guys. Number five, Tiago Santos. Number oh six, God. Dominic Reyes. Number seven, Mag- Magomed Ankalaev, who's fighting this weekend. Uh, Volkan Ozdemir, number eight. 
Nikita Krilov, number nine, Johnny Walker, number 10, Paul Craig, number 11, who that sounds like somebody's alias. Like if somebody goes into witness protection, they might take the name Paul Craig. That's what that sounds like. Uh, Ryan Spahn is number 12, Jim Crute, number 13, Jamal Hill, 14, and Jan Kutalaba, number 15. Like this is a, this is a yeah. far departure can, from can, the prime days of that division. Can I ask both of you a question? I know we got to get back to the toss up, but like, so you, you look at the, the light heavyweight division and the quick thing for me to say is that John Jones ruined it as a dominant champion for so long, but Anderson Silva was an equally dominant champion in the middleweight division bounced back very, very quickly. BJ yep. Penn to a lesser extent ruled over the lightweight division and now it's our best division. GSP. These divisions bounce. Yeah. GSP. Oh my God. I don't know how I missed him. So I don't, you know, these divisions bounce back quickly why is this division not bouncing back? Well, it, it, well one thing, it's already cut you off, James, and you can expand yeah. on this. Bell, Bellator has done a nice job poaching talent at that division, and, and even PFL has some has some good names, some good fighters at light heavyweight as well. Like for, for whatever reason, this is just one weight class that other promoters have done a good job, and I don't think there's enough depth of talent. Like You can look at places like Bellator, PFL, some of the overseas and say, oh, they've got good lightweight divisions. There's just a lot of good lightweight fighters. Like they're like lightweight is a very densely populated division in the UFC for sure, but like in every promotion, welterweight pretty good. I guess light heavyweight is just not that deep to begin with. And then you add in other promoters. Like we've argued that Bellator has, at least star-wise, a better-looking light heavyweight division than the UFC does. Like, the UFC has let other promoters do a better job with light heavyweight than they've done lately. Yeah, and, and I know, Frank, you mentioned that the easy answer is to say John Jones cleaned it out, but which is kind of my answer. He cleaned it out twice. Uh, but I'll, I'll go even deeper with that. If you're an up-and-coming fighter, if you're if you're 21, 22, and, and you're, you're trying to decide whether you're going to be a light heavyweight fighter or a middleweight fighter or something like that, and you see John Jones in that division – um, and, and at that time, he's relatively young and you're up and coming in your training. You're probably not going to go into that division because if you want to be the best, you know, you got to go through arguably the greatest fighter ever. So, you know, I think a lot of the prospects that, you know, may have been coming up over the last seven, eight years that would have been, uh, you know, uh, light heavyweight fighters probably went to a different weight class because they saw who was at the top. That's a great point. And to Alex's point about being poached. They weren't poached as much as they gave these guys away. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, they just it's released them. I mean, yeah. we really should have Bader, Phil Davis, uh, Rumble uh, Johnson. Rumble Johnson. These guys should all still be in the UFC under contract, maybe causing issues, maybe you know, uh, giving Dana White headaches, but still in that division. Uh, all three of the guys we just mentioned can sell pay-per-views. And all three of the guys, if any one of them were on this main event, it would not be a free card. Hey, yeah, man, I like uh, I like Zach, Zachary B. agrees with you. Uh, fighters are never the same after fighting John Jones. But the thing is, like, jo Jones has been gone for a while. And when he comes back, he's going to come back at heavyweight. So, I mean, why are, uh, I guess, Paulo Costa is the only guy who's now moving, uh, he's moving into the light heavyweight division only because the guy can't put the cheeseburgers down, I, I think. Uh, so, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, and they tried to inject uh, life into the division a couple of times with guys like Luke Rockhold and Chris Wyman. It just hasn't, hadn't worked out. Um, but, all right, let's go to the next toss-up question. Sean Strickland publicly revealed he has homicidal thoughts. Should the UFC really be keeping him on their roster? Yeah, this is a wild story. Now, you know, we talked about this a few weeks back, how he had said 
and it, it it definitely alarmed us that you know that he he would he would delight in killing somebody in the octagon that like if one of his opponents died like he would enjoy that he expanded on kind of his thought process on the mma hour with ariel hawani and like it definitely makes me understand where he's coming from better and sympathize with him a little bit however honestly if you're the biggest fight promoter in the world and i'll read you some of his comments in a second for clarity but um, despite the fact that like I, I can understand like he had a really, really troubled childhood and that that can really do a lot to someone's brain. And he's one of those guys who talked about how when he started training martial arts, that helped him channel his homicidal feelings into something more constructive. At the same time, though, I think a guy who talks about and seems 100 percent sincere about it, that he would enjoy literally killing his opponent in the octagon. I feel like that should take away your privilege of being a professional fighter. And I know what some people are going to say, well, hey, you know, it's the referee's job to protect fighters, but there's a difference, okay? Because a normal fighter, and there are a lot of great people who participate in this sport. I hope the people who aren't MMA fans, I hope you're not assuming, oh, all these guys are homicidal maniacs. There's a lot of surprisingly normal people who gravitate to this sport, believe it or not. There are also some crazies. But I think anytime you have someone who publicly says and doesn't back down from it that he would like to kill somebody in the octagon, you know, e even if it's a referee's job to make sure that doesn't happen, normal fighters, a referee steps in, they stop fighting. And yeah, we Sean Strickland has a history of obeying and doing that. But when you have a guy you know would not mind killing his opponent, I mean, if, if he does completely lose his brain in the octagon and doesn't stop fighting, is a referee who's not a professional fighter, maybe trains martial arts, but is a referee going to be able to stop him? Like, Honestly, I, I think it's a real issue now. And I do sympathize with Sean Strickland as a human being. So he told Ariel Helwani, I'll read you a few quotes here. I wanted to my entire life, he said, talking about killing someone. He's wanted to kill someone his entire life, he says. That's a big reason why I didn't have a social life, he said. Like when I went out and got arrested, I just wanted to. There was just something in me that knew that if I could just kill a human being, it would make me feel good for a short time, he said. It's one of those things where, like, more people think that, and I'm just the one who says it, he says. I, I always say the difference between me and a lot of people, like, you can watch Dexter, you can watch The Punisher, you can watch movies, and you can think about killing. But I was on the path to where I was going to act it out, he said. I was fantasizing. So I think that's why my mom took me to train. Once you start fantasizing enough about it, you start putting yourself in situations to act out the fantasy and training allowed the outlet for the fantasy to stop. I just go train, I'd fight, go train, I'd fight, go train, I'd fight. But it wasn't for that. I fantasized about it all the time. And he talked about how he uh, at one point in his in his adult life, he got jumped, like basically by people impersonating police officers. He knew they weren't police officers. And like he rushed at them fully intending to kill them, knowing this is awesome. I can kill these guys and get away with it because they're attacking me and they ran away. You can kill them. So it's like, here's the way that I look at it. Like if if you were interviewing someone like this to be in law enforcement, right, that should be a tremendous red flag because you could say, OK, I'm interviewing someone for a job where they may be in position to actually kill people. I should not be hiring somebody with homicidal fantasies. I think the UFC should look at it the same way. Right. One of your fighters under contract admits for my entire life, I have had homicidal fantasies. For me, 
okay, that's a red flag. You have taken away your privilege. No athletic commission should allow you to fight. We cannot promote you. I'm sorry. Your privilege is over. I don't care if he says a lot of people think about it. They just don't talk about it. Well, bro, you did talk about it. We know it's out there. I'm sorry. You can't fight anymore. What do you think, Frank? First of all, this is not the first time anything like this has happened. Mike Tyson famously said he wanted to kill his opponent. And people were shocked. And he was allowed to fight. And, of course, he wasn't going to kill him. What he was, you know, there's a little bit of rhetoric to what is being said, I think. And also, you know, I, I, I'm i going to say two things. I'm going to defend him and then I'm not. I mean, on the one hand, the honesty is refreshing in a way. All of us have bad thoughts. All of us think things that we wouldn't actually act out, but sometimes wish could be true because of anger or emotion that overcomes us. So he just, you know, more than anything, he's missing a filter. Just whatever he thinks in his brain comes out of his mouth. And in today's highly sensitive PC culture, that just doesn't fly. There's nothing about his fighting uh, history that indicates that he would ever deliberately harm an opponent by breaching the rules or not respecting a tap or doing anything other than what is expected of him in the rules and regulations of combat sports as they exist today. So I don't think he's going to go out there and hide a uh, hide a shiv in his in his in his in his shoe or, or you know in his belt or whatever. I mean, I think the guy's going to fight with honor that way. I think what he's saying is that he's in this battle between two people. And wouldn't it be amazing from his perspective if almost in Roman Coliseum way, when I hit him with that knockout punch, it's over for him. It's a fantasy. What troubles me about what he said in his interview was that it's not just that moment of fantasy, which he probably shouldn't have shared. He actually thinks about it all the time. It's actually become a consuming thing in his mind. And what troubles me about that is not his actions in the cage, but what he's liable to do, what horrible situations he's liable to put himself in outside of the cage. And Dean Thomas talked about Sean Strick. Like, like if he's not actively fighting, he's going to end up dead or in jail. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the UFC contract and mixed martial arts are the only thing holding this troubled psyche together. But uh, do I think the UFC should cut him? No, I don't. I actually think he needs it for his own health and stability. I don't think he's going to harm his opponents. And this is going to sound horrible, but I think the UFC is going to enjoy the marketing of this. I think the idea that somebody is frightening and saying horrible, scary things is something that the UFC hype machine is going to harness. Man, there's a line line for me, and I, I feel like, from an MMA standpoint, Sean Strickland's crossing that line. Um, man, I'm thinking of it from a business perspective. And you, you mentioned, and, and you're a business owner, Frank. Uh, there's a liability issue now. If if Sean Strickland is admitting this, putting this out there, saying these things, saying what, what's free in his mind, and if he goes out and do it, not saying he will, as you mentioned, there's nothing in his history, but let's say he does. Why wouldn't the opponent be able to sue the UFC? And say, hey, you have all the warning signs, all the warning signs in the world. You know, he said this multiple times. He said this in national interviews. He said this to Ariel Hawani, you know, the biggest UFC microphone, the biggest UFC interview, 
um, uh, MMA interview in the business and and you let him continue to be an employee. And then, you know, he does this horrible thing if he did, you know, if he goes on to do it. Now, is there a, there's not a large chance of that happening, but I'm just thinking from a liability perspective. I just don't think the UFC can deal with that. Now, they have dealt with liabilities. They've de- they're dealing with the John Jones liability right now, which is a different type of liability. They're dealing with the Conor McGregor liability. I just don't think this Sean Strickland liability is really worth it. You know, I just, I just don't think it's worth it. And I, I, and I think there's a line that he crossed that that's just not from a business owner standpoint. I just don't think. Yeah. it's, it's smart. I business. like. Yeah, I like your point. If I could answer it, I, 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 I'm going to answer it kind of with a question. I feel yeah. like unlike like the businesses I'm involved in, there's this other entity that's a government entity that actually decides who goes into the octagon or the boxing ring and whether or not they're fit to do so. And I don't know how much that mitigates uh, any culpability the UFC would have in his bad behavior. Hey, you know, so, so it's sue so them both. Sue them both. Yeah. If you're the fighter, sue the commission and, and sue the UFC. I mean, um, do you remember who Samar Palharis and the nonsense that he used to pull? Like yeah, for him, he wouldn't like let go. they they let that go on way too long, in my opinion. You yeah. know, but this Sean Strickland, like we need to talk to Dean about it again. Like Dean broke him down in a way that was sobering and frightening, and ultimately left me feeling sorry for him. Yeah, and maybe it's just the empathy that I have for him. But I just feel like, and it's odd to say that over somebody who's just professed homicidal thoughts. But my empathy for him is just that we take this away from him. I think he's a dead man. I mean, I think so, his life is over. Let me, it really let, scares me. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well said. Let, let me segue and go out to the guest line. Uh, we're going to have a lot of events coming early next month for Miami Crypto. And that includes bare knuckle fighting, my friends. And I'm into it. I've been out to bare knuckle shows before. It's a lot of fun. We're going to have a couple people joining us here to talk about it, including a Miami freaking legend. I've seen this guy fight so many times, and he always puts on a show. I've even called at least one of his fights before, and he's looking good out there. I'm, I'm guessing you're in the gym. Luis Baboon Palomino, are you there uh, at MMA Masters? How you doing, my friend? Oh, man. <laughs> no, MMA Masters was my first home. And in the last, in the last five years, going on six years, and I've been training with Eric Castaños from Young Tigers Foundation. And when oh, I signed nice. my contract with me, I also started training with Dino Spencer at Fish Street Gym. Oh, we've met Dino before, uh, James and yeah. I have. That's awesome. relationship with MMA Masters, they were my first coaches. You know, we did a lot of good work together, four world titles in MMA. But, uh, you know, things went different. We, we, we parted ways in a good way, and, and uh, I started a, co- a completely different camp, more based on me, you know? And and and, uh, and and I want to get back to that in a second. And I also I, I want to uh, to wish you well, and I hope you're doing well. Because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I thought a few months back I saw something going around online that, that you were pretty sick, man. That you had COVID and you weren't doing too good. So I'm I'm really glad you made a recovery. How's everything? Uh, thank you, man. Yeah, you, you know people people online can get funny, and and the good thing about it is that I'm 41 years old, man. You know what I mean? So that none of that shit bothers me. To be very honest, you know people are like. They think that this thing is a, a fake. Some people think that you're you're getting paid to say certain things. I nearly lost my life, man. That's the truth. Wow. I have the Jesus work, Jesus. I have the paperwork to prove it. You know, I ended up pre-anemic, pre-diabetic. My pancreas almost blew on me, and it was mostly due to my negligence. You know, like I hadn't I hadn't faced a cough in five years because of the way that I treat myself. I don't do drugs. I train. I eat. I rest. I'm a big believer in IV therapies. Not even a cough in five years, man. You know, wow. so 
So when this thing hit me, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go right through this shit. And, man, I spent 12 days fighting it, and it, w it wasn't going nowhere. And the problem was that since I know how to do my own IVs, I was self-medicating on an empty stomach. And uh, apparently, that's bad for your pancreas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? So I had, like, I spent 15 total days, zero food in my stomach. And if I drank something, the same amount of water that I drank, it came Oof. out the back door, man. It was bad. I lost 28 pounds, and I don't even carry fat on my body. You know what I mean? So, like, I lost everything, man. It was hard. It was a hard lesson to learn, you know? Dude, and, and how, how long ago was that? Because I'm amazed. Like, you, 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 tell me, you tell me that horror story, and, and I was praying for you, man, when I saw those photos going around. So I'm so glad you're doing better. And, and you, you, you look like you're training. You're in great shape. You're going to be fighting in, uh, in about a month and a half or less. No, in, in like in like a couple weeks, actually, November 12th. So you're almost yeah, there, bro. Alex, you don't do a, You don't do an interview shirtless if you're not in great shape. That's true. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 I, if I took off my shirt right now, we'd lose every viewer. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it on. But man, so so how how long ago was this? And, and, and what was what was it like when you made that road to recovery? Um, we're talking about three months now, and um, to be honest, man, when I came out of there, losing 28 pounds of, you know, of everything, all I had, you know, losing 28 pounds, and the way that I felt when I came out of there, I'm talking about, like, I couldn't walk around my house without oxygen, man. You know, like, my, my fiancé found this Boost Oxygen that ended up sponsoring me when I, when I did an interview with it. I couldn't walk around my house without a can. Forget about leaving the house, you know? I tried moving a, a drawer that was delivered to my house and I'm, I'm, I didn't even lift this thing, man. All I did was pick it up and like move it side to side to bring it inside the door from the outside of the door to the inside of the door. And I nearly fainted. And that's when I realized I'm like, man, this, I'm really messed up, you know? And the truth is I have a, a great team behind me. I have a, a man that he's a client, a friend, you know, I helped him change his body, you know, in, in the last three years. And I helped him, you know, get into the health, you know, side of life and enjoying his life at 56 years old. And he's my sponsor, my friend. And he took me to this clinic called Gentera. Gentera met in uh, the Billmore Hotel here in Coral Gables. I met Dr. Ramos. And when he saw my blood work, he was like, man, you should be in the hospital, in a hospital bed. And I'm like, well, doc, I just got out of the hospital. You know, like I, you know, it, it came to the point where I'm 19 days infected. I'm five days in the hospital. And I just spent the first day that I could hold some food in my stomach, right? And the headaches and the fevers, I was 102, 104 fevers for 15 days straight. Ooh. I was hallucinating. Like, wow, I, I pressed the button to call the nurse, and I'm trilingual, right? And I speak to her in three different languages mixed in one. She wouldn't understand what I was saying, you know? I had, like, real bad hallucination. My brain was getting fried. And... I realized, man, every time they come to poke me, right, they will give me the steroids for the pancreas and the COVID and I don't know what not. And then it would tell me, you might end up diabetic after this. And then they'll come and poke me again. You might end up diabetic. The third time I was like, hold up a second, hold up a second. I grabbed the phone, I called my sister. She's a registered nurse. And I told her what's going on. She said, you know what? Do not let them poke you with insulin anymore. And I said, you know what? I need to get out of here. So in that moment, when they came to poke me again, I told the doctor, look, that was the first day I ate. That was my 19th day in uh, infected. And I told her, look, now I have the strength to fight you off because she wasn't taking no for an answer. Mm -hmm. If you're going to try to poke me with that, go and get some help because it's not going to happen. As a matter of <laughs> fact, I want, my, I want my release. You know, I, I want like my that. release. So they, released me, they released me infected and all. 
But think about it, man. I'm on my back all day. How am I supposed to get rid of severe pneumonia on my back all day, all night? You know what I mean? So I got out of there, man. And the moment that I got out of there, I started getting better. But it's truly thanks to Ralph Navarro from Florida Yachts International, my friend, my sponsor, and uh, Brian, the owner of Gentera Med and Dr. Ramos, that I made this comeback. When I came out, I said, I'm not, I even said it publicly, I'm not fighting until next year. There's no way in hell I can fight. You yeah. know, I couldn't even walk around my house, you know, like let alone, like I have dogs. I couldn't feed my dogs, man. You know what I mean? Like, I guess the the muscle memory and the mentality, you know, it, it came to the point where this this annoying gnat, I don't even want to say his name, the guy that I'm fighting, I'll call him the annoying gnat, right? <laughs> he, he got so annoying online that, you know, it's like you're trying to kick me while I'm down. You know, like you're, you're trying to pick a fight with a dude that just came out of the hospital that's nearly dead. Like, that's, that's how much you believe in yourself. I say, you know what, man? At this age, I'm beyond ego. And I didn't make my decision based on him. I said, I, w- I work well under pressure, you know? And what better way to get better faster than to get ready for a fight? And I'm telling you, man, I've been in camps never like this. Where I've been in the track and I wanted to quit. And Lewis, so, so glad that you're doing well, man. And, and you've been through so many wars over the years. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure you probably took some of this for granted. How has this health condition kind of changed your outlook in terms of being able to get back to competition again? Man. You learn to appreciate you learn to appreciate life, man. I had two nights. I didn't think I was going to make it out of there, you know? God. So I think it's a thing of appreciation, you know? So it's not a, a fight against this guy, you know? It's a fight against myself, you know? And, uh, to prove to myself what I can do, you know. It's, it's it's incredible, man. This journey, it's I, and and I'm I'm so happy for you, man, and I'm so proud of you as a guy who's followed your career for so many years. Uh, this this is just unbelievable stuff. As we're joined here by Luis Baboon Palomino, who is an absolute Miami fighting legend, and I know that when he gets in there. On November twelfth, BKFC twenty two, which is a promotion doing an awesome job. That I mean, you get, Luis, just describe to me what you're expecting from those fans because I've seen you fight in Miami before, and the crowd goes crazy for you. Like for for everything you've just told us about your story, and, and I I hope everyone's aware of that and what you've gone through because the people who already would have been cheering you like crazy. They're going to bring that up like 10 extra notches, man. I, you're going to be feeling the love in that arena at James L. Knight Center. Yeah, 100%, man. There's nothing like fighting at home. Um, you know, there, there's a guy out there they call him the baddest, the baddest MF in the world, but I beat him. And I've offered the rematch to him many times. I don't even need to say his name, right? Because he really doesn't like me, you know? <laughs> but uh, I'm the true underground king of the 305 of Miami, man. And I represent this city well. And this city loves me. They show me the love every time. And that's why... Fighting here has never been a pressure. It's always been just uh, inspiring, man, motivation. You know, I, I hear in my crowd, hear in my people. Every day I make new new fans, new friends, and uh, it's empowering, you know, to come in and do what you love and have and receive the love that you get from so many people, man, you know? 
Tell, tell me uh, what, what it was like for you, because I watched you fight MMA for so many years. Uh, what was it like to make that transition to bare-knuckle boxing? Was it was it just like, you know, riding a bike, but maybe a different kind of bike, or was it a big adjustment? It was not. Nah, it was the easiest adjustment and the easiest decision of my life. It's like oh, wow. I spent, yeah, I spent, uh, what, 13 or 14 years fighting MMA where I've had many fights, right? Most of my defeats were due to like wrestling and grappling, people holding me down and nearly whispering in my ear, stop hitting me. You know, <laughs> I had strikers take me down. You know, I had, I, I fought Eves Edwards that was known as a striker in the UFC and he was taking me down, winning a decision, being smart. Nothing wrong with that. He was smart. Yeah. He saw the fight close, took me down in the third round, held me down, won the fight, you know? And, and I faced a few strikers like that that would take me down that they didn't want to deal with me standing up. So now you bring me back to what I grew up in, you know, street fighting, like every single knuckle, like I said, every single knuckle has a scar to, to a story. And and uh, I grew up fighting, man. I grew up fighting in the street. You know, I only did boxing for three years when I was 10 years old. I was 10 to 13 in California. I come to Miami in a time where there's gangs left and right, you know, and I didn't like the injustice. I, I, didn't, I didn't join. So I ended up fighting even more. I didn't like... Like if I would, I would defend people I didn't even know, for God's sake, you know. Like I have sponsors today that sponsor me because they're reminding me of stories where I defended them when we were younger that I didn't even remember about. You know, it was just a natural <laughs> thing. So I spent so much fighting that we're bare knuckle that it's, it's boxing was my first love. Except for my father went to prison, and when we came to Miami, my mom was six kids alone, no papers, no English. You know what I mean? Like I had no choice but to fight in the street. I had no gyms, you know, and. Bare knuckle surfaces at the level that it did, you know, on a worldwide level. And I said, man, that's it. You know, that's my calling. And it came in a time where I retired. I had two torn ligaments in the same knee. I have a total that's in bend, so I can't fight without wrestling shoes. Like, I can wrestle with you with, with wrestling shoes, but if I take them off, I'm slipping and sliding everywhere. Like, my total's in bend, you know? Wow. So it's like, you know, I'm a striker at heart, more boxing than anything. And now you're telling me that you can't take me down? <laughs> and they got to fake my hands? Yeah, sign me up, man. I mean, the other day, I mean, I wanted to fight Thiago Alves, for God's sake, 175 pounds. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a t I'm not challenging the 175 pounders. I'm not delusional like that, Nguyen. You know what I mean? I know my place. I was challenging 145, 155, 165, where I know I can dominate. But Thiago didn't want to take the fight at 165. He didn't want to take it at 170, where he did all his career at. Yeah, and he said, "Look, you know, it doesn't make any sense for me to fight you, you know, at, at 170." And and I said, "Okay, I'll go 175 for the title then, because if I'm gonna fight you at 170, 175, then at least let's do it for the title." And I had the fight going; I was getting ready for it. I was told I was gonna get it, and then you know, Malky jumps in, puts in uh, Yuli Monster, and you know that went the other way. You know what I mean? But that would look good in the last fight, man. I'm thinking about it right now. You know, I'm, I've always been a fan. I've always been a fan. So I'm not challenging 175, but uh, at, I'm not going after what just happened to me. I'm not going back down to 145 at this age. I could do it. I'm very disciplined. I'm very good mm -hmm. with nutrition, but I'm not going to do that to myself. 155, 165, I will def I will retire undefeated, double bare knuckle world champion, 100% guaranteed. Hey, Luis, can I follow up on what you said? Uh, you know, understanding that bare knuckle it simplifies the game and also accentuates what you're best at. So I get that. But for the people watching that don't know about Miami street fighting, what are the dimensions of that? Like in a Miami street fight, will there be a takedown? 
you know, will stuff like that go on or does it stay standing or does it, you know, you know in traditional boxing? To answer, that's a good question. To, to answer your question, most of the time, the fight will stay standing, to be yeah. very okay. honest. All if right. there was like a takedown, it was like an uneducated takedown where like somebody just grabbed on and stumbled onto the floor. It wasn't like right. the wrestlers and like in my era, there wasn't like many judo guys or wrestlers like, like today. Today you get in a street fight, people know how to wrestle, take down mm. judo throws. Back then, you know, man, you didn't, like you had to go for MMA. I trained jiu-jitsu in one gym, you know, boxing in another gym, capoeira in another gym. Like you had to split around. We're talking about 14 years ago, you know? Yeah. Um, but nowadays it's different. And, and if there was something going down where like a fight ends up on the floor, there's somebody kicking you in the head, man. You know, there's just like two or three other guys stomping you in the head. So you better not hit the floor. You better hit and move, you know? Like, I, I, there's, a, there's a, a fight that I was very known for in, uh, in, in, in Miami Beach Senior High School where I get jumped by three South Beach Posse gang members, right? And it's uh, two twins. It's a pair of twins and the older brother. And one of them was getting in my face looking for, you know, for a problem. So I, I headbutt the dude. He got in my face. You know, he mentioned my family. Oh, he went man. wrong right there. Boom, I headbutt the first guy, I knock out the other guy's tooth, and then the other guy's kicking me back, and then I knock out that guy. I get a 10-day outdoor suspension, and they get CSI for two days because I beat the crap out of them? Like, that made no sense, Louis, man. You know, Louis, Louis, if that fight had happened in Fort Lauderdale, as soon as you headbutt the first guy, the other two guys are leaving. Yeah, <laughs> true. Big, big difference between Dayton Brown. Yeah, that's the difference between nine five four and three hundred five. Yeah, uh, I, was, I was growing up in the three hundred five, man. It was it was rough. Mm -hmm. hey, hey, Lewis, you you alluded to this earlier. You mentioned guys like Eve Edwards, some some true OGs in in the game. Uh, how much has combat sports in general changed from when you first came in to today? Ooh. By miles, man. By miles, man. If you notice the, this new, this young bloods that are coming in now, it's like before you had like, he's a strong striker. No, this guy's a strong wrestler. These kids, man, kids, they're coming up 12 years old, 13 years old with a complete all-around game, man. You know, like the knowledge has, it's kind of like back in the days, boxers used to say, and I remember this very clearly, oh, boxing is light years away from MMA, you know, like... And, 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 you know, in a sense, they were right. Like, in the beginning of MMA, our education in striking wasn't, wasn't quite up there, you know? Right. And we had so much work to do mixing so many different things. You can't blame us, you know? But uh, today, it's like the new generation, man, the new millennials, man, they, they're bringing in some real heat, man, so complete, so fluent in the striking, the wrestling, the grappling. Everything just mixes in so, so much easier now. It's, it's a new era, man. This, this is tremendous stuff. And, and if we, uh, I, I see him in the waiting room. I, I don't know if he's if he's ready to come in or not, but I wanted to get a few words from, uh, oh, there he is, BKFC president, David Feldman. Uh, I, I really appreciate, David, how are you, man? My man, my man. Thanks for having me, guys. Dude, this is this is unbelievable stories we're getting here from one of your fighters, man. This is this is the embodiment of the fighting spirit. I know this is the embodiment of what you guys are trying to do at BKFC. Uh, tell me tell me a little bit about background on this event. H how did you decide you wanted to take this to Miami? And it's it's going to be a good weekend with all the crypto stuff going on. And I'm, I'm a huge crypto head, like, uh, you know, 95% of my my net worth is all is all tied. Now, not, not saying that's a whole lot, 
but ninety five percent of it, yeah, all three hundred, all ninety five percent of my net worth is is tied into crypto. So just let me tell me a little bit, David, about putting this event together and how it ended up coming together in Miami, James L. Knight Center. Well, before we get into that, because you mentioned crypto, there is a um, uh, a friend of mine just launched an unbelievable betting site. It's called ibetcrypto.com. Crypto in, crypto out. It's 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 um. It's a blockchain-based uh, betting platform, all crypto. So if you ever want to do that, check it out, ibetcrypto.com. But why I came to Miami, man, I got Luis Palomino and Hector Lombard on their card. I mean, yes, that's sir. really all you really got to say. They they bring the crowd. They bring, you know, they they bring the fight. Luis, Luis kind of epitomizes what I do here at Bare Knuckle. Like, he comes to fight. You know, he doesn't come in here and want to dance around and play around. He wants to hurt somebody. Like, literally really wants to hurt somebody. So he comes. <laughs> here and 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 that's what he does you know what i mean he, he puts a hurt on people and we had one of our other ex-champions dat nguyen 135 pounder want to come up two-way class to fight luis and you know some people think that that's um a death wish for him but um we're gonna see what happens but you know it's gonna be a tremendous fight we have like i said hector lombard former ufc contender former bellator world champion he's going to be fighting lorenzo Hunt as the main event and luis palomino on the co-main event Fighting that new win is going to be a tremendous, tremendous uh, card here at the James L. Knight Center. Every time we do a fight in Miami, man, Miami shows up. The last fight we did was June when Luis fought in at the Hard Rock Casino, sold sold out the Hard Rock Casino. First, first combat sporting event to sell out the Hard Rock Casino in years. So it was, it, you know, it was awesome for us to be a part of that. And uh, man, like like I said, Miami loves uh, loves what we're doing with Bare Knuckle. This is where it all started in the underground. Um, and I, Luis may have even been a part of that, but this is where it all started in the underground. And, and here we are mainstream being talked about as one of the biggest combat sports promotions in the world. Now promoting bare knuckle fighting right here in the heart of Miami. David, uh, Luis just told us about his, his journey just to, just to get back to health, to get to this fight. How, how much respect do you have for him to, to make it back so fast, uh, from all he's been through? Yeah, absolutely, man. We talked uh, through and through and, you know, he, he said he, he was out for the year and I respected that. Said, yeah, no problem. And then he had this uh, this dude, Dad Nguyen, challenge him, and he came back to me. He said, man, I got to fight. And then he said, man, I don't know if I can fight. He just went back and forth because his health, I mean, his health was so bad. And seeing the pictures of him in the hospital, it was heartbreaking. Seeing a guy like I, you know, I, I listened to his interview that, that lives 100%, trains 100%, and to have to go through that, you know, it was it was heartbreaking to see. But here he is. He came back. Through, the, through that tough journey, he trained it, He trained his butt off, man. He got the right type of therapy and, and medication from his buddy, uh, Ralph Navarro, uh, helped him out, real good guy. So, you know, he's ready. I mean, it's going to be a tremendous show. We have 11 fights on the card. And, and again, man, Lu, Luis not only comes to fight all the time, but he brings out the crowd in a top-notch crowd always. So, you know, it's always great to have him on the card. And when we have him, Hector on the card, and some of these young guys, we have Pearl Gonzalez fighting Britain Hart. It features women's women's battle card, so a lot of great fights on that card, and you know it's uh it's great, man. It's great to be here in Miami. And David, before before I let you and uh, and Lewis run, I, I want to mention to everybody watching. Uh, it looks like Hector Lombard's going to join us on the show next week, which is going to be awesome, man, because I, I have been uh, been a fan of his, and uh, we go way back following his career, so that's going to be really good. But, but David, l- let the people know, man, a- any info that they need, because uh, you know most of our viewers uh, come from South Florida, so h- how do they how do they get tickets? How do they find this event happening uh, November twelfth? 
Sure, awesome. It, it's uh, November 12th at the James L. Knight Center. It starts at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time for the, for the undercard. Tickets are available at bkfc.com. That's bkfc.com. You can get all the streaming information for the Bare Knuckle TV app there as well. So all the information you need on this fight to buy tickets, to watch it, all at bkfc.com. We have about 400 tickets left in, in a 6,000-seat arena, so tickets are selling very, very fast. So if you want tickets, grab them fast again at bkfc.com well we'll see you guys out there david thank you so much and mr palomino i want to give you the opportunity as well before we let you run man if you want people to know uh where they can find you if, if you're on social media let people know where they can find uh and, and everybody should be following you already i mean south florida's own man where do people find you yeah ig is the most mostly what i use is instagram uh, at luis baboon only that, Luis, L-U-I-S, Baboon, B-A-B-O-O-N. And on Facebook, it's mostly my Latino fans from all over the world, all of South America, Central America, Peru. It's uh, Luis Baboon Palomino, my Facebook page. Dude, that's, that's so good, man. I love I loved hearing your story, and I, I can't even imagine just what you went through and the amount of mental fortitude and toughness it took to get out of that. God bless you, sir, and I cannot wait to watch you fight in a couple weeks. Yeah, well, miss, it's going to be a beautiful knockout. Beautiful, ah, beautiful. <laughs> I love it. South Florida legend right there. You know, we, 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 we talk combat sports on the show. You know, we've talked a lot of MMA, a little bit of boxing. Today, it's been all about bare knuckle, man. All about bare knuckle. Alex Dono alongside James Walker and Frank Zaffrey. You know, so we have BKFC coming up November 12th. Uh, we've also got... BYB Extreme in South Florida, December 17th. And we are privileged here to bring on one of the best fucking nicknames I've ever seen here. Steve Tomahawk Townsell, 1-0. He's got his second fight coming up. Steve, how are you doing, sir? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me, guys. I'm doing great. Now, anytime I see a badass nickname like that, I've always got to hear the origin story. W where did the Tomahawk come from? All right, so um, man, I grew up on a reservation, uh, Alabama. I'm of native native descent, Cherokee and uh, Blackfeet. Um, so I mean, I, when I was first starting off in my MMA career, man, uh, I would throw Superman punches and look like I would, you know, throw throw in the old tomahawk. So a couple of the guys, oh, his tomahawk, he's throwing that tomahawk. Kind of stuck there. Um, nothing self-given or anything like that, you know. Um, it just rode with me since then. Steve, I'm sure the nerves were kind of going on that first, uh, your first bare knuckle uh, fight. How much more calm, um, you know, how much more experience do you feel going into your second, going in the second time around? I'm going to be honest, uh, going into my first bare knuckle fight is the calmest I've ever been in any of the really? fights I've actually, for all my MMA, uh, it takes away a lot of uh, other things. There's no grappling, there's no kicks, there's no wrestling, there's no takedowns. Um, I was able to really focus on my training with my boxing and everything else. And I was in the moment. I enjoyed the entirety of it. I mean, I'm 41 years old and I just made my pro bare knuckle debut. Like how great is that? How great is that, man? So to be nervous would definitely be a takeaway from everything that I was, was doing. And I was just, you know, it just all clicked at the same time. So um, going into the second one, I mean, I'm ready. You know, I'm, I'm excited. It's in the same place that I already fought. And, uh, yeah, I'm just ready to keep it moving. How, how does uh, – explain it to me a little bit. How does boxing training differ from bare-knuckle training? Because, obviously, you've got to, 
you've got the propensity for more damage with a shot potentially than you do with boxing. Are there are there differences in terms of how you have to train between the two sports? Um, so boxing is a lot of power in your punches. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you don't need as much power in your punches with 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 bare knuckle. I mean, basically, if you want to land the shots, you land the shots, you're doing damage. So you're giving all this power in boxing because you got these big pads on your hands. So it, it, it takes a little more oomph to throw those punches. And this is just not as much. You land these punches, you're, you're touching bone on bone, and it's definitely doing more damage. So that's the difference in the training. Um, difference also is you don't have these big pillows on your hand to, to help block punches, you know. So you've got – literally you've got the size of your hands to cover and maneuver. So a head movement comes real big in this game. Um, it's not so much how can you hit them. It's don't get hit and look for openings, you know. All right. To, to, to tell me about about the path to eventually making your bare knuckle debut at 41 years old, like uh, <laughs> which, which is incredible. It's right. an incredible way to start a story. I know that that's not the beginning of the story. So, uh, when did you start training? What were, were you training in boxing? What what disciplines were you in? All right, so I mean, I played football. I mean, I, I didn't have a combat background, so I was 35 years old. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> and I played on Saturday nights at semi-pro level. Um, and uh, man, my body would just be. And I was a big guy. I was 285 pounds. I played defensive line, and my body just wasn't. You know, I played Saturday night, and I wouldn't be good till Wednesday, Thursday morning. Um, went to my first uh, local uh, Rise of the Warrior, which is an MMA. Uh, a promotion uh, down where I'm from and uh, seen some guys fighting. like, man, this, you know, this, this looks like what's up. You know, I just, I wanted to compete. I thought, man, maybe I could do it. And before that, I, I never wanted to get punched in the face. It just wasn't my thing. You know, football field was where I was at, you know, um, until I got punched in the face for the first time and I haven't left since. So I started out um, in a, like an MMA kickboxing training gym, uh, cross trained with jujitsu and wrestling. Um, and I, I, I got beat up. I got beat up <laughs> like every day. Um, and if I had my ego with me, I probably wouldn't have made it past the first week. Um, it was hard. It was very challenging. It was very, com you know, uh, to, to, to compete, very competitive. And I love it. You know, that's, that's definitely where I wanted to be. So I just kept going until I stopped getting beat up as much. And then I stopped getting beat up even a little bit more. And the things that I didn't like the most is the things that I tried to uh, focus more on. So, does, does a does a football background help? Because I argue that football is the most violent violent sport on earth. So, does being in that kind of you know dealing with that kind of contact help with with the transition? Explosion. Um, yeah. Football is a very an explosive sport. Um, I'm right. an explosive fighter. I'm an in your face person. Uh, so, it, uh, yeah, my athleticism, you know, if you're an athlete, you're an athlete. You can almost play any sport. That doesn't mean you're going to be good at it, but you're pretty athletic. So you can, you know, make those right. adjustments. Um, the difference is, and I'm, I don't, if you hit me once, I'm going to blast you once. So, so <laughs> I, I, at the, in the beginning, I was just, I was able, I didn't, you know, I would trade, you know. Now it's, you know, I don't want to get hit as much. You know, I'm going to move around a little bit more. But definitely football with the explosiveness has definitely helped me, you know you're not going to see me think I'm coming as quick as I'm coming at you, especially as a big man. As, yeah. And, and the other question I have on that note is, is about um, the explosiveness of football and then the grind of 
you know, a boxing match or a bare knuckle fight, because we've talked to other coaches like Dean Thomas, who coaches Greg Hardy and transition he had was that football is as incredibly conditioned as you are. It's a few seconds and then a break, a few seconds it and then a break. nothing like right. combat sports, right. man. You know, <laughs> we're playing seconds at a time. It's an explosion. Right. Um, right. Most explosive things, you hold your breath. You know, you're exposed ah, and you're, you're, you're getting out. What is it? Four to, to eight seconds, maybe per play. Mm. Um, commercial timeouts, regular in between plays. That was the hardest um, transition to do, especially when there's grappling and there's wrestling involved, you know, because all those muscles and you want to go back to that uh, 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 and you, you catch yourself right. holding your breath. The conditioning was horrible. Um, you know, it's it's still something big guys are going to battle. I don't care who you are. It's just it's definitely a, a heavyweight issue for any big person. Um, and I like in the beginning, I mean, warm ups, <laughs> warm ups were really rough. Like, it's like, what the fuck am I doing here? And then you, know, you get you get used to it. Like I said, I got beat up a lot in the beginning, you know, and I think that's what, what it's about. You know, if you get past all that stuff, you deserve to be here. You know what I mean? And I'd rather get beat up at practice than, you know, in a real thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Steve, I think I can speak for for everybody here on this panel. You have some new fans here, and I could probably speak for our viewers as well. We're going to be supporting you, man, uh, December 17th. L let people know where they can find you. I, I follow you now on Twitter. Uh, if you want to promote your social media, man, the floor is yours. Yeah, man. So it's Steve Tomahawk Townsville. That's my IG handle. You know, check me out. Facebook, it's Steve Tomahawk Townsville. I'm new to Twitter, um, Steve Tomahawk Townsend. <laughs> so you guys reach out, check me out. Um, I'm a family man. You know, you'll see a lot of things. I'm, I'm an everyday person. You know, I ain't super flashy or nothing like that. But uh, they didn't let me in the door and I ain't going nowhere. So look forward to seeing a lot of me. I love it, man. Thank thank you so much, Steve. And uh, and and yeah, I think I think by by nightfall or at least by like midnight, he's probably going to have more followers on Twitter than Frank Zaffrey does. So he, he's going to grow that account. Hey. That, that, that won't be a big achievement. He probably does well with <laughs> yeah. right, Thank you so much, Steve, and best of luck to you. Yes, oh, sir. Man. You guys have a good that, one. Thank that's you. really cool. And, and, and by the way, I, I want to go back to uh, to the Miami Crypto, which is where we're going to have uh, BKFC coming up uh, in November. Steve's going to be fighting in December for BYB Extreme, but I wanted to bring in our guy, Serge. Serge. Tell me about the Miami crypto experience, man, because th this is a dream freaking come true for me because I'm a crypto head and I'm an MMA head. So you guys aren't going to be able to get rid of me in November. Well, how cool is this, right? This is a perfect storm for us. We got the fastest growing combat sports promotion in the world uh, coming together with the fastest growing basically thing on the planet, which is cryptocurrency, right? So. Yeah. Um, you know, we were fortunate enough. We have a real good relationship with, with Dave Thumb and BKFC. Uh, we basically formed a, um, somewhat of a partnership. And um, we, were, we were actually fortunate enough to have the timing work out perfectly fine. So November 10th through the 12th, we're doing the Miami Crypto Experience. And then we're finishing it off with the fight right then and there. Our main stage for the Miami Crypto Experience will be the BKFC ring. How cool is that? That's awesome. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah. That is freaking great. Our, you know, oh, and, man. And our, our platform, I'll tell you, is, is is different from any other. We're not we're a non-conference, dude. We're not a conference by any means. Uh, we're an experience. It says it in our name, yeah. right? We're and we're strictly educational. Where we have workshops taught by the most brilliant minds in the crypto space, and you can learn anything from from mining. You can passive income. 
uh, laws. I mean, anything, trading, whatever you want. And it's taught by the most yeah. brilliant minds in Surge, the space. Serge, I need that. If, yeah. if if somebody dumped a bunch of crypto in my possession, <laughs> I wouldn't know how to spend it. I, I, I would kindly so. ask you to funnel it all to me if somebody dumped <laughs> a bunch of crypto. I don't know how to things. funnel it. I mean, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy, man. And you know what the beautiful, most beautiful part about it is? You don't need no bank to approve your transfer. You do it yourself. Right. Exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah, yes. it, it is super easy. And, and Serge, uh, like what uh, – because – uh, like I, you know, for for Frank, it's like we're speaking Chinese. Uh, J- James and I, are <laughs> I mean, both I'm in the middle. It. Yeah, yeah I'm in the James middle. James is somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm I'm obviously, I mean, most everybody in the crypto space holds some Bitcoin. I, I'm a Bitcoin hodler, Ethereum, Solana, Cardano. I play a little, I play around a little bit with uh, with the meme coins. I, I don't get I don't get married to them. Like uh, Shiba's been pumping like a mofo lately and doge has had it stays yeah. in you can be speaking another well. language for all i know <laughs> that's what, what i'm are saying, saying over that's there? what i'm saying so so serge, so serge what, what, what are some what are some of the coins uh that, that you're into you, you don't have to disclose your holdings of course but like, what, what, what are some of the ones that you love i mean look i'm 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 a staple guy right so for me i'm big my, my biggest holdings are in bitcoin and ethereum i'll, Same be, here. I'll be honest i'll tell you yep. that right so you know i do uh, I don't do a lot of trading. I mean, we do, we take on some products. The beautiful thing about crypto and, and the position that this company has given us is that, you know, the crypto is decentralized, right? So there's no such thing as insider trading. So I can call you right now and tell you, hey, put $10,000 on this project and it's, it's going to 10X or it's going to 100X. I can tell you that nobody can do anything about it, right? So, and I, and we have those, we have those tips. We have those, those projects that we, that we expect the beautiful thing is that during our experience last our last experience on our first experience was april we did it in miami at the intercontinental hotel during the pandemic um a lot of people became millionaires during our during our event we saw people jumping around celebrating because they had a couple coins at 1000 next right and yeah. We, we yeah we take credit for a lot of that because you know our experience bring so many people together and you know it, it gets a lot of coverage worldwide and you see the products that are there and people learn about them from the first time so that was, that one was great <laughs> listen I, I i have a couple i have a couple that i can that i can talk about one, one thing All i right. do want to mention is um and, and by the way I'll, I'll give the three of you complimentary passes i i really encourage you to guys come on and learn it's a great platform to learn you can't keep um, me away from that, man. I'm, I'm already marking it on my calendar. Yeah, and and, and just so you know, like our our first 500 tickets, the first 500 people to purchase a a, a pass to the Miami Crypto Experience got a free BKFC pass, right? That sold out obviously Dude. very quick. It was the first 500 passes we're we're blowing through. We expect to have 3,500 to 5,000 people. I really believe we will get to the 5,000 the 5,000 mark. It's going to be amazing, dynamic. And one thing I will tell you, it's educational, but we have music. We have D, you know, DJs, the bars are open from the time that you get there to the time that closes. We have daytime educational, nighttime parties. It's amazing. We're giving away a freaking McLaren. Dave Dave Feldman is actually announcing wow. the winner of the McLaren. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Feldman will announce it Friday night during the fights. And that that's that's a partnership between um, BKFC, the Miami Crypto Experience, and a great sponsor of ours, uh, Karma Coin. Karma Coin's amazing. And one thing, Dave's not on here. I confirmed it today. We talked about it. Uh, Dave will be giving fighter bonuses for the any the first time any sports organization gives out fighter bonuses is going to be in crypto this time. Wow, that's smart. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be very cool. Yeah, keep that McLaren warm for me. All right. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, Thelma's announcing the winner, so I don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. He could easily say that, that he's a winner. You know, I can't stop him from doing it. Hopefully, he does it. <laughs> but, but he might. 
Hey, okay. hey, hey, Serge, I, I have a question. I, I'm like, like Alex said, I, I'm in the middle. I, I have Bitcoin, I have a little Ethereum, and I keep it simple. I'm not smart enough to understand anything under that, under Bitcoin and Ethereum. Something I've been looking into, I, I usually take it year to year, whether I'm going to hold or I'm going to sell. But now I've kind of decided that I'm going to keep it long term uh, and, and do some other options. But what is the loaning process like? Because I'm trying to learn it. I'm trying to understand how you loan your Bitcoin, um, you know, or, or take out a loan from Bitcoin at, at a low percentage. I know Celsius and some other places have those kind of options. I don't know where to look. I don't know who's the best and who's, you know, a scam. Um, help me out with that. I would say I'm a big fan of Celsius, right? Celsius is it's a hot wallet, which means, you know, they're a hot wallet, there's a cold wallet. Cold wallet, you're offline. Nobody can, nobody can see what you're doing. Um, platforms like Coinbase, they report to the government. You know, they're not, they're no longer right. really a crypto. They're more like a bank now, but they're, they're a great platform to buy and sell. And I still use them because, you know, sometimes yeah. they're, they're friendly to transfer the, you know, buy and sell, transfer to your bank. Celsius is beautiful because Celsius pays you if you hold it in USD coin, which is a stable coin. It doesn't fluctuate. It's par to par with a dollar. They whatever money you have in there, they pay you a 10 percent annual yield. Right. So, wow. I mean, where else? And then and then they the beautiful thing is they pay it compounds monthly and then they pay you your earnings. They pay your interest weekly and then oh, you just okay. keep those earnings and, and then it keeps compounding. Uh, and then whatever uh, Bitcoin you hold in there, they pay like six point five percent interest on that annually. The same yeah, thing. Really Compounds good. Monthly. Yeah. What, what, yeah drives that, what drives that rate? I mean, they're loaning uh, it out at, at something yeah, way in excess I mean, of that, yeah, obviously. Yeah, they're staking it. They're making a ton of money. I mean, listen, I, we have yeah. products that, that I have products that, that I'm making 1400 percent return on. Oh you know, there's it, it, it's it's out there. You know, it's and that's why you come to our to our education. Look, we don't give financial. I don't give you financial advice. I can't. I'm not. I don't. Right. I don't have a license to do so. I tell you what I do. And I just always tell you, be be willing to lose whatever you invest because, mm -hmm. you know, the day tomorrow, you never know what happens, right? And that's why I'm very selective. And that's why our team is very selective on the projects that we get involved in because there is a lot of rug pulling. Uh, and that that's pretty common of, of certain, some of these meme coins, you know? So you got to be very selective with the ones you get into, but you can make a ton of money and, and we've all done it. And our team is, you know, we just educate ourselves and we believe that crypto is the future. And we, we really want to educate people. That's why our platform is educational. There's a passion product for us. None of us have to work. We do this because we love it. We want to educate the masses. Right. And we firmly believe the only way to mass adoption is through education. Well, Serge, I know what's going to happen. Um, you know, So right now, Frank Zaffrey knows less than zero about crypto. We're going to take him out to the Miami Crypto Experience. And he's going to be, by the time we leave, he's going to be one of those millionaires. Like, Because I, I, I know when, when Frank goes into something, he goes big. <laughs> I love it. And you know what? I, I'll, I'll hold his hand through the whole thing. Um, and by the way, I don't consider myself a crypto nerd. I, I'm, I'm involved in crypto. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I do believe it's a future. I, all my earnings are there. I don't barely have a bank account. Um, but I will tell you one thing, man. This is the future. It's coming. It's coming fast. We have a lot of amazing things coming at this event. Like I said, the, giving away the McLaren, the partnership with BKFC. We're having, I don't know if you all know who Tim Draper is. He's a Bitcoin billionaire. Yes, I do. Um, he's going to be at our event. Oh, but through I just want to shake his port, hand. Well, you won't be able to because he's coming through and he's releasing a new technology. It's oh, called Portal. He. So he's going to be sitting on stage. Oh. You can ask him questions, but it's going to be an interactive hologram, oh. basically. But it's, oh it's a hologram you've never seen. Wow. It looks like it's not it's not holographic. <laughs> it looks like if he's sitting there. So you want to walk up and touch him. Oh uh, and there's a good chance, Damn. you know, we're working on it. The city of Miami is going to come out. They're going to present the, the Miami coin. And we're hoping that somebody very special will be on that stage um 
with Tim Draper interviewing him through his portal. Well, listen, Serge, I cannot thank you enough. And, and on the way out here, uh, hold on, I, I think this is the one I, I wanted. Uh, Trevor Gaffney asked, ask Serge how much the phrase to the moon bothers him. I don't know. I think anyone who's in crypto loves that phrase. I don't know if it bothers yeah. anybody who's in it. Dude, you know, the, the, the reality of it is that you hear it over and over and people say, you know, it might be cliche, but the thing is that you want this stuff to go to the moon, right? So you hear it and it's contagious. So, you know, we say, we say it a lot of times, like, you know, we want this thing. Like, I'll, I just, I use the term more, we want this to pump. Uh, yeah. And I'm not a pump and dump guy, guy. You know, I just want stuff to pump and keep pumping. And listen, there's a chance that crypto, I mean, that Bitcoin gets to 100 grand before the end of the year, right? I mean, that's a very strong possibility. It might get to 75. It might not move, but I, there's there's a chance that it will go to to, um, to 100 grand, 75 grand. What I do want to tell you guys, and I would love if you guys help us out with this, um, we're willing to give away, on behalf of your show, 25 free passes uh, to your listeners. Uh -huh. Now, what, what I will need to do is, is go to uh, go to our Twitter account, which is uh, Miami Crypto Experience at Miami Crypto Experience. If they find our Tim Draper post and then they repost it and and tag us, uh, we're gonna we're gonna give a, a deadline until next Monday, and we're gonna choose twenty five of your loyal listeners to get a free pass. Mind you, our passes were they started at three hundred and forty nine for the early order. Uh, that sold out real quick. Now they're at, that's a five hundred dollar value. This, this uh, is the so correct handle, right? I put that out there at, so everyone can see at it. Miami Crypt, yes. And then, and by the way, you, everything's on our website. You can buy tickets at our website, which is MiamiCryptoExperience.com. Uh, you can buy, by the way, we have a freaking metaverse. Like you, if you guys see this, like you can attend, we're going to stream this. You can attend this virtually, but it's, it's an amazing platform where you're inside the world and it's six degrees of freedom. You can walk around, you can go to vendor booths, you can attend the NFTR gala. By the way, we're putting on the largest NFTR gala ever in the history of i mean i can i say yeah the world like at this event it's gonna be amazing uh so i encourage everybody to come on out and it's gonna be a blast like this this is like i said it's educational but it's fun we involve culture we involve music we involve the pillars all the pillars of culture and crypto so it's gonna be amazing dude unbelievable Th thank you so much serge i appreciate it we'll, we'll see you in november i'm i'm, I'm, I'm awesome. gonna drag i'm gonna drag frank out there i'll be there I, I, james will be there willingly i'm gonna drag frank out there kicking and screaming he's gonna be a and billionaire by, by the time it's done something real cool we're incorporating all the way through bkfc we're gonna do the we're gonna do the weigh-ins the live face-off we're gonna do it we're gonna incorporate them on the, in the thursday night um incubator night so this is gonna be immersive in the sense that it's gonna be crypto it's gonna be culture it's gonna be bkfc and what better? I mean, come on, the fastest growing fight promotion in the world. You guys saw Palomino. We got Hector Lombard. You got too many events. I mean, in one night on that on that Friday, it's gonna be amazing. Well, thank you so much, yeah. man. Enjoy the rest of your night. All right, guys. Thank you very Sir, much. Thank you, man. Yes, Love sir. Uh, Alex, oh, uh, Alex, I gotta jump in. I got a few yeah. comments to make. First of all, okay. I had no idea James Walker was gonna impersonate <laughs> Roy Firestone. <laughs> because he made his question was so poignant and heartfelt that he he brought our interviewee to tears. That's Firestone moment oh my right God. there. Unbelievable. It? Number two, I had no idea you were interviewing Hector Lombard. If we ask him the wrong question, he will come kick our ass. Well, the, the, it, 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 all, it all it all it all started it all started to develop during the Palomino interview. I'm texting uh, my guy Bean, who's one of the people promoting all this, and and he's like, "Oh, can Hector come on next week?" I'm like, "Hell yeah!" But yeah, remember, Frank, he's polite, not bro. he's he, not going to be in the same room with you though. Uh, he'll find you. The point <laughs> is, if he doesn't <laughs> like the interview, he will go looking for you. And then the third thing, Alex M is killing me. 
on the chat. Have you well, seen? Well, good. And by the way, baby, he's also What's he's, with he's shirt? Well, hold on, but hold on. He, he's he's making donations though, so it's with love. Like Alex M, I cannot thank you enough for the super chats. I mean, he's calling you the world's most interesting man, uh, uh, basically saying you used to be the dose. No, I think he's actor. saying that I look old and out of touch. I think he's being, I think he's being funny with that. <laughs> How many right, long I, sleeve button ups do you actually own? I, I don't know a lot. And they're all the same. They're all the same <laughs> brand. And I do like the color blue. Alex is not wrong. I have yeah. blue jeans on right now. And I might have seven pairs of Cole Hans that are oh all blue. God. Yeah, different shades. Yeah. Oh my God. Blue's this, my this, color, bro. Blue's my jam. This might be the most uh, well-rounded show we've ever done. We're not quite done yet because I want to do some UFC fight picks before we wrap it up. We we might not have time for kudos and complaints today. And honestly, I don't know if I have any complaints. I've only got kudos. I, I, I've had a lot I of suck fun. at I suck at kudos and complaints. So if we miss that one, it won't bother <laughs> me. I'm, I'm very poor yeah. at that. Thank you. Oh man. Yeah. Let's do so, some fight picks. Yeah, let's do some fight picks. So, uh, guys, and, and James, I'll start with you since Frank doesn't seem seem to think this card is a whole lot uh, interesting. So I'm going to start with you, then Frank. Uh, I like the card because I'm a diehard. I yeah, was yeah, arguing yeah. that no one yeah. else will. Yeah. yeah. Jan Blahovic, the champ, 205, defending his belt against 41-year-old, basically <coughs> Rocky Balboa, Brazilian Rocky Balboa, Glover Teixeira, uh, who do you like here, James? I like I like Jan Blahovic. Um, I'd be curious to hear what the odds are, but um, you know, Blahovic is he doesn't get enough credit for how well rounded he is. Not only is he a strong striker as far as his power punching, but he showed against Izzy that if he needs to grapple and hold you down, he could do that. You know, now I, I don't think that would be the strategy necessarily against Glover, but he's shown that with good coaching, he listens to his coaches. He can kind of do whatever they need him to do for that particular game plan. And I, I think that's an underrated reason why, why he's champion. He uses striking to yeah. beat Dominic Reyes. Um, you know, he uses wrestling to beat Izzy, Israel Adesanya. No one really gives him credit for that. I feel like no one really talks about his, his well-rounded game. So I'm picking Blahovich. Yeah, Blahovich, by the way, uh, is a hefty favorite, minus 325. Go ahead, Frank. I'm all about Blahovich, too, because of what's up here. Yeah, the guy, he's smart. He follows a game plan, and as James just correctly pointed out, he changes his game plan depending on his opponent. He's a very cerebral fighter, and it will be important in this matchup because so's Glover Teixeira. Glover Teixeira will be setting traps. Glover Teixeira is brilliant on the ground, but he has heavy hands. He will be setting traps for Jan. Jan will not take the bait on that. He's measured. He doesn't overextend, and he follows a game plan, and he will whip the old man. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with Blahovich, and I think the difference here it's going to be hand speed and chin. Um, you know, as James rightly mentioned, Blahovich is going to tailor game plans to every opponent. I, I think this one he's going to and should do it with his striking. I mean, obviously Glover Teixeira, very high level black belt. Uh, you know, it's not to say that because like. Back in the old days, you know, wrestlers had to be really afraid to put jujitsu guys on their back because you get submitted from your back pretty easily. Most wrestlers these days do a pretty good job of avoiding submissions from top control as the sports evolve. But still, I, I wouldn't mess around too much. Blahovich is going to have a hand speed advantage and a chin advantage. I mean, Teixeira, even though he's on a nice run, he is a little bit chinny. That's become evident. And he's got some power, but he, he's very lumbering these days. Uh, I think Blahovich is going to be able to touch him up and finish him. I, I'm thinking a second or third round finish. So I'm going Blahovich. Uh, Blahovich minus 325 favorite. Glover Teixeira plus 245. Like I, I've seen some people on some gambling sites say, and, and sometimes 
sometimes the prognosticators will recommend a big underdog if they think they have a little bit of a chance. Um, it's not really for me. Like if, if I really don't think the guy's going to win a fight, I'm not going to throw money on an underdog just because like maybe mm. some people might see value into share a plus 245. I, I don't, I think Blahov is just going to win this fight without too much trouble. Uh, let, let's get to the Colombian event guys. Piotr Jan, former Bantamweight champion, uh, taking on Corey Sanhagen. And because of Aljamain Sterling being on the shelf, this is an interim title fight you know how i feel about interim belts they're stupid uh just call it a number one contender fight regardless of that i think this is a good fight uh cory sanhagen guys i i would love to see him pull off some ridiculous knockout with a knee or a kick i just think jan is too good i, I think jan is going to do a great job getting inside sanhagen's kicking range and using his boxing he's got some of the best boxing for mma in the UFC and Jan, he can dictate where this fight takes place. I just think he has too many ways to control it, too many ways to win. I think Corey Sanhagen is capable of giving us a couple of moments of excitement. I'm, I'm going to go with Jan by five round decision. James, I'll go to you next. Man, I don't think you're giving Corey Sanhagen enough uh, enough credit here. Um, I think he's the longer fighter. Um, he's he's the I think he's kind of the more dynamic fighter in terms of you know his uh, versatility. In finishing, um, we kind of know what we're going to get from Jan in terms of him just being a machine and just, you know, he plows through everybody. But I'm feeling upset here. Uh, you know, okay. again, I, I don't know the odds, you know, but I, I whatever the odds are. I got them sure, for if you want them. Yeah, let me hear. I'm sure Sanhagen's so, an underdog here. Yeah, he is. Uh, now, 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 this, honestly, this is an underdog I can see some value in. Like, yeah, I know that's I what just, I see. I, I know I just picked Jan to win the fight, but I, I would not be against throwing some money on San, Sanhagen's plus 180. I think he's okay. got a much better chance than Teixeira has. Sanhagen plus 180, Piotr Jan minus 230 favorite. Yeah, so I, I see the value. I see the value in that. And, and to me, this kind of division, this is the kind of division where I could see Sanhagen pulling an upset and then, you know, Dillashaw beating Sanhagen again and then Aljo beating Dillashaw. And, and just I could this is the kind of division where I, I don't see the champion whether it's interim or main champion, holding the belt for three or four straight years. I, I think the title could switch hands two or three times a year in, in this division. Well, I couldn't disagree more. I think Piatrion is like a, a vicious, dynamic alpha male in this division. And as long as we're pretending that Sanhagen won his last fight, let's oh, pretend that Jan is still the champion because <laughs> he is only not the champion because of a BS disqualification. Yeah. So this is a title fight. And he's gonna he is gonna destroy Sanhay. Jan, it terrifies me. The only thing that mitigates his terrorism in my mind is his size. But I mean, you, you <laughs> move him up a couple of divisions, he's the most frightening man in the UFC. G give me a give me a finish prediction, Frank. He's gonna run through him. What round? What by what? Third round, Sanhagen is so beaten and bruised that he just kind of balls up and the ref runs in and stops it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling an upset here. I think Sanhagen wins by decision. but we'll I'm somewhere I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not quite as bullish on Jan as Frank is, but I, I am bullish on Jan. I think he's going to win a probably a four rounds to one unanimous decision. Sanhagen's going to have some moments, but I, I see Jan uh, winning. Uh, and and yeah, and, and and I think Alex M missed the first part of the show. I think Frank does agree with us. He says Dillashaw survived versus Sanhagen. He didn't actually win. 
it, it was bad judging. Like we know it. Like uh, no, hundred percent. I was I was being a smart ass. Yeah, we're gonna do. Well, that I, I only I wanted to say we that because we yeah. got to do it for Jan too. I mean, we you yeah. know it's not fair that we pretend that True. he's the number True. one contender. Get out of here yeah. with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let, let, let's pick uh, let's pick one more third fight down on the card. Uh, may, maybe we could pick a couple more because I don't I don't know if there's going to be any dissension on the panel with this one. One of the two biggest favorites on this card, the uncrowned champion, the future lightweight champion. Nobody is going to stop this dude. Islam Mahachev, Khabib uh, protege, basically a younger version of Habib Nurmagomedov. He's taking on Dan Hooker, who I'm a fan of. Like Dan Hooker is a good fighter, but this is this is not going to be his day. Uh, Mahachev is going to, if, if he wants to torture him for three full rounds, he can do that. If he wants to finish it by decision or TKO in the in the second round, he could probably – I think Hooker's probably going to survive for a round. But I, I just don't think Mahachev is going to have much trouble. I, I see a pretty straightforward 30-27, to 27, three-round decision victory or maybe a second or third round stoppage for Mahachev. What about you, James? Yeah, it's a really tough matchup for Dan Hooker, um, you know, with this. I, I, I could just see a grind, grinding out fight. And, and you also got to consider all that Dan Hooker's been through. I mean, he's had to stay in the United States, away from his home country, kind of train and set up kind of a satellite gym uh, after his most recent fight. I forgot who he beat, you know, like a month ago, um, you know, in, in his fight. So but the UFC did give him some extra money. They get, you know, he's very happy with this paycheck. I think it's probably the biggest paycheck that he's getting, um, you know, to fight Islam. So it's almost like they're kind of throwing Dan Hooker you know, to the Wolves saying, hey, can you stay in the country and, and fight Islam? And, you know, it's an awful matchup for him, especially to be taken on semi-short notice. I think Islam runs through him um, or at least grinds it out for, for three full rounds. I, I got I got a couple of thoughts. One is I, I Islam needs to not be cocky. I notice, in his, especially in his uh, most recent fight, he, he almost is toying with his opponent in a way where, you know, he needs to be careful because in this league and in this sport, anyone could get clipped. Yeah. So I'd like to see him, you know, with a little more focus on business. Um, and then my second thought is, and I know we've got another fight pick to do, but we have to we have to at least make mention of the fact that I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that Logan Paul has accepted a fight with Mike Tyson. What did that just happen? Yeah. Really? So just just want to make mention of that. Just got an <laughs> alert on that. Uh, and I wanted to make sure I made mention of it before the show ends. Bro, listen, I, I know Mike Tyson is 100 years old, but if if there is a God in heaven, he is going to separate Logan Paul's head from his fucking neck. Like, if like I, I need to see that. Oh, my, please, Mike Tyson, please. I, I hope you train like it's 1988. Like, please destroy this kid. Coming back to uh, Islam, I also wanted to mention that, you know, he, he's going to win this fight, and – the UFC is just going to have to elevate him right up into top two or three status in terms of who they match him up with. Nobody wants to fight this guy. They're going to have to just – he's just – that's it. He's going to have to be a title challenger in the next couple of fights. Would you agree? Yes, he has to. I, I think they yeah. can only keep him down for so long. And also, at some point, if he's not getting a title fight, they're just going to run out of people willing to fight him who aren't champions. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I think they already have. Yeah. Kudos to Dan Hooker for being the next uh, victim. Yeah, I mean, Dan, and Dan Hooker just fought like a week ago. It feels like on on short notice, coming over from New Zealand. So he must he be is a big, a, must be a big payday for him. Yeah, but by the way, I'm looking up this uh, this uh, this slogan this slogan Paul Tyson thing. Did 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 you happen to see when it's going to happen? Like what the date? No, is? I did. I just got an alert, you know. And uh, February. Uh, all right, there you go. 
I make news on this show. The Frank bomb, not a Woj bomb. And I'm the only one of the three of us that isn't actually a media person. And he's the only one who's not really on social media, which is crazy. That's right. Yeah. I have to get a text from somebody. So there you go. Oh, my God. So that's going down. Uh, Real quick, uh, I'm going to give you a two for one to pick a couple more fights on the main card. We have Martian Tybura against Alexander Volkov. And we have uh, Li Jingliang against Hamza Chemaev, which uh, I'm looking forward to that one. And I'm going to pick, um, I'm going to pick Volkov, and I'm going to pick Chemaev, uh, who's minus six fifty. He's he's the second heftiest favorite on this card. And 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 Li Li Jingliang is a tough opponent. Chemaev, I just think he's on another level. So I'm picking Chemaev and Volkov. What about you, James? Likewise, same two picks. Uh, just, with Chemayev, it's just a matter of what round he's going to finish him in. Is he going to yeah. last the first round, second round? Uh, but yeah, he's not. Chemayev's the beast. Go ahead, Frank. Agreed. I mean, there's. I mean, I don't see how you could argue that in either case. Um, and you know, James, I want to come back to your point earlier. It's an excellent set of fights for a diehard fan. I mean, I'm looking forward to watching it to the extent that I'm able to pull myself away from the football games that I also want to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it may be. I mean, at least in recent memory, it may be the best free card we've seen from the UFC in a best long, free, long time. James, best free card since Henderson Rampage Jackson. Oh yes, yeah, right. That's a good that's call. Right. That that was an incredible card, and uh, and that that was also Michael Bisping, Spike Matt TV, Hamill baby. on that yeah. card. Spike, Spike TV. TV. Spike, Spike TV doesn't even exist anymore. It's uh, the Paramount Network now. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, that, that'll do it for us. By the way, I love how the live chat has turned into Trevor and Alex debating which quarter deck is the best location. I mean, w- what a time to be alive. I love this. Uh, he asked Alex, do you like the quarter deck? Uh, Dania Beach is my favorite place, he says. Work too much to go, uh, though, live in late work. Well, you get, get down here, man. I hope our fans are out November 8th for our event at the Plantation Quarterdeck. Yeah. I will be out there making it rain gift cards. So, oh, you know, nice. it's that the only way quality. I can make friends. So I'll just be throwing them up. You know. <laughs> that is freaking quality. And, make and sure I'm going to wear I'm gonna wear a blue shirt, too. <laughs> I love it. Quarterdeck Seafood Bar and Neighborhood Grill. Guys, they have so much amazing food. The buffalo shrimp, those are my favorite appetizer on planet Earth. I love the fresh seafood at the quarter deck. Last time I was out there, I had the All-American Burger, and it was fantastic. I'm going out there on uh, on Tuesday this coming week, and I, I think I'm going to have – I'm going to build my own poke bowl. I love I love the uh, the fresh tuna, the the raw tuna that goes on there. I Actually, I prefer raw fish over cooked fish. I'm a weirdo. I love, I love sushi. I love sashimi. I love – poke bowls it's going to be a good time two for one happy hour all day every day and as frank mentioned join the five reasons sports crew at the quarter deck sawgrass that's the location in plantation right near fla live arena join us out there for a watch party miami heat watch party they're playing the nuggets on the road that night also monday night football watch party it's a two for one baby just like the two for one happy hour join us at the quarter deck if you want to find the location nearest to you or check their menu before you go QuarterDeckRestaurants.com. The QuarterDeck, come for the food, stay for the fun. For James Walker and Frank Zaffrey, I am Alex Dono. We'll talk to you guys next week where we're going to be breaking down Logan Paul versus Mike Tyson. And, and you know what I just thought of? This 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 sucks extra. Well, Tyson's going to win this fight. I didn't realize when you said it which Paul brother was which because they're both doofuses. But Jake Paul is the one that can actually box a little bit. Right. Logan Paul is terrible. So Logan Paul probably will lose to Tyson. So I'm looking forward to that. 
Hey, just remember, when you want breaking news, you come to Frank Zaffrey. <laughs> Hashtag Frank Bomb. We'll talk to you guys next Thursday on another episode of Five Rounds on the Five Reasons Sports Network.